0: Good afternoon and welcome back to the Fish Cast. We have been on a small sabbatical, and so many things happened in January that kept us from a meeting, but we're back. Corey Long here, Charles Fishby there. What's going on, Fish?
1: I'm back to coaching baseball again, so.
0: That's right. Now I asked you yesterday, so Ethan is 13 now, so this is a yeah. 13. 13- an under, under team.
1: Fourteen like, u, fourteen you. He's one of the
0: fourteen u. So he's uh so he's out of the uh, little league world series contention in that because I think that was third, twelve and thirteen. Alright, so that group. So he's in a group a little higher. Alright, uh, that's good. That's good. You 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 are very optimistic about this squad. You feel like you've got some like a lot of potential. Like the heart of the order is pretty much the twenty seven Yankees. All right.
1: Yeah, I don't know about that, but we got a nice team, got a chance to look at them work out the other day, and one of the kids, we had picked a kid um, that, you know, everybody's like, who's this kid? Uh? And we're like, we'll take him, you know, we'll take him. Maybe we get lucky, and man, did we get lucky. <laughs> we pulled a clover. We pulled a clover out of our butts on this one. <laughs> but uh, uh, he should have probably been a first-round pick, to be honest with
0: you. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. He's, he's, a, he's a big horse, he's like two hundred pound kid that can that can slug a kid that's out there just hitting dingers. Yeah. Well, one says no, all I want to do is go out there and hit some dingers. Hit that ball out of the yard. Exactly. You really, you really can't put a premium on power at the plate, like at any level. Like the kid who can hit the ball out of the yard is the one that scares everybody.
1: Uh, that's intimidating.
0: Yeah. Cause it's like Man, I don't want, like, any time he's up, that sucker can fly, you know I mean? The fences are what, 220, 240 around where? 200? Like, they're not
1: deep. Uh, Oh, they're deep. They're probably 250 at least. 250?
0: Okay. So, yeah, I mean, that's even scarier when a kid can hit something 250 on the fly, you know? That's pretty frightening. All right. Uh, We missed January, so we're going to go, we're not going to go back too far, but we'll, uh, We'll jump on a couple things and we might as well uh I- I'm down here, I'm actually not too far from you, I'm in West Palm Beach. Uh, uh as my as my mom gets ready to sell this uh condo and move on with the next uh, phase of her life. Uh I'm down here for the NHL All-Star game, and I have a couple friends, uh, Nick Coast and Tika, who I work with Russ Levine, both University of Michigan grads. And I just, yesterday was the first time I had a chance to see him. And it's like, and I asked him, like, so okay, your your heart was ripped out on New Year's Eve by losing to TCU, but nine days later you had to feel like, eh, you know, sometimes things are just meant to be, and obviously Michigan was not, was was meant not to take that sixty five to seven beat down, and they're like you had to feel better, like, okay, well we lost, that sucks, but. We didn't have to deal with that,
1: you know. <laughs> oh man, sometimes it's a lot better to be. I've always said that. We've seen it in the state title games. How many times did we say, "Man, maybe it's better to just lose in the round before the state finals and say hey, we have something to work for next year than to take that beating um, against some of those teams in the finals." You know, you're always happy to be there until you're on the other end of that wait, whipping.
0: you, there to you're the other end of like, so you're like Newberry playing Pahokee, and you're yeah. I'm like. That score wasn't as bad as 65-7, to but it felt like it could have been worse. Both of these games felt like they could have been worse. Like, Georgia beating TCU 65-7 to almost felt like they let them off the hook.
1: God, man. You got to figure, like, Georgia's scout team gave a bigger fight, you know, like during practice that week. You know, they're like, man, this thing's going to be tough because this is a scout team they're going up to, and they're probably getting stopped, and then all of a sudden – TCU de- decided to pick the wrong day to stop playing a defense. I mean, they literally picked the wrong day to not show up on that side of the ball.
0: And their only touchdown was on a busted coverage. It was a busted, I mean, like it was a horribly busted coverage down, uh, secondary coverage play. Like it wasn't like they got anything. They got nothing. Yeah. And Georgia gave them nothing. And I remember we were talking and I said, the one thing I did say was that I did not think Kirby Smart and Will Muschamp would have two stinkers on defense in a row. Those two guys are, they're red asses, man. They, when they have a bad defensive game, like you feel like they're not, all right, well, we ain't gonna sleep for the next eight days. We're just going to put together a defense that no human can penetrate.
1: <laughs> yeah. They, like I said, they picked the wrong day to play them and it's probably not as bad. You know, it's, if they had played during the regular season, the game would probably have been a lot closer and just, it's just circumstances, you know, Georgia was, you know, playing, you know, like you said, they didn't play a real good um, first defense, you know, their defense wasn't great against Ohio state. Uh, they were on the ropes in that game. They should have probably lost. And and sometimes that gets overlooked. You, once you get through that, you know, Ohio state was probably the second best team in the country this year. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's close. I mean, I yeah. know Michigan beat them and stuff, but, Ohio State has a very good team. I, we roster we, wise, they
0: probably had the best roster in college yeah. football. I didn't have, yeah. the, have the best roster. Yeah, I mean they, just they can, have. They yeah. just have the fiftieth best best coach, so it yeah. averages out to like a number three team.
1: Yeah. Now, nah, well, you know, we've talked about it, our discussions about it. Them not being, you know, they've gone away from what Ohio State's been good at in the history of their team is running the ball. That, you know the run almost becomes secondary for them, and I think that's the one thing that they're going to have to get back to. And that co- he, he, as a coach, is going to have to get back to if Ohio State does want to win. You got to bit of run the football. I mean, you look at what Georgia does, you look what Alabama does. Everything the run sets sets everything up. Defenses can't key on you when you become one dimensional. and they kind of have become one dimensional, Ohio, Ohio State. They become easier to defend. You can, you, if you have time to, you know, you know, uh you know, game plan against them, there's things that you could do to shut them down or at least limit what they're trying to do. And, you know, as well as I do, going for the big plays, those aren't high percentage plays. So if you go three and out, your defense is back on the field quickly. All of a sudden, the other team's wearing you out. And that's what happened in the Ohio State-Michigan game is Michigan just physically whipped them up and down the field for two straight years. I mean, that that just... If That's what happened, and, and eventually in the second half, they wore them down. You saw it in the Michigan-TCU game. I thought Michigan, you know, they came out of the gate. They had the big play. I think if they score on that first drive, and I know it's all hypothetical, they score on that first drive, that's a totally different game. I, I think you would have seen kind of a similar type of game, not to 64, 65-7, to seven but I think Michigan would have pulled away and just physically beat them down. But you know what? When you let the other team stay in a game, you let that team, uh, you give them uh, negative plays on your side of the ball, you turn the ball over, uh, you have two pick sixes, uh, you're not going to win a lot of ball games when you basically hand the other team the game over and over and over again, and don't get any stops when you need them on defense. So Michigan kind of fell apart. I think Harbaugh's done a great job. They need to take that next step to that next level. We thought it would happen this year. Uh he's coming back for another year. He's not, it doesn't look like he's going to take a pro job. So he has another year of trying to get that team better. And and listen, George is going to still be talented next year, but it's we talked about it. Two in a row is very difficult. Three in a rows uh never really happened. So uh, I think you know they'll come back to the pack just a little bit because they're going to be replacing so many guys. And we talked about it. The next quarterback um, could be better and probably will be better than Maybe. Stetson. But yeah, he'll be physically better. But how does that guy react when the game is on the line? Stetson did show the ability to not make mistakes when it mattered most. Like when the games were on the line, he did find a, a way to find that running back out of the backfield or find that big tight end down the middle of the field. He did find ways to win, so it'll be interesting. The next guy may put up better stats, but we've seen it before so many times where the next guy, even though they're better, they put up better stats, something goes wrong during one of the games or two games, and then all of a sudden you're not playing in the playoffs like they did the past two years. So nothing's guaranteed. I think Georgia will be one of the top five teams, but that doesn't guarantee them a playoff spot next year.
0: Does Georgia – I mean, and, and, you know, Stetson, Stetson Bennett's his own kind of thing. I mean, I, I don't really know if we've ever seen a Stetson Bennett before where a kid has that little physical – that that I don't say little physical ability because he's got some physical talent, but his self-confidence is just – his self-confidence to his physical talent is just – it's so unbalanced. Like, he has a physical talent of a walk-on quarterback, which, you know – walk on is very He's got the self-confidence of of like of you know of Peyton Manning. Like it's just it's crazy. Like well,
1: well, when you've she, got the talent he has oh, around yeah. him, listen. If if you're going into a street fight and you got <laughs> their offense aligned, like if Stetson Bennett goes to pick a fight and he's they're like, all right, we're all cool with this until they see the five guys that he's bringing with him. All of a sudden, he seems a lot tougher. You know, it's just he he has got dudes around him that most court like you know, you put him on another team with less talent. I don't know if you'd have the same Stetson Bennett, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean if you put Stetson Bennett on 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 rice this year, they're still going three and nine at that. <laughs> let's be honest. But he I guess if I had to look at a more recent comparison. I think AJ, McC- I mean, I think AJ McCarron is where I am. But, you know, AJ, he had swag. He had, he had some ugly tattoos, got hot wife. And he won, he won two titles. But the teams was so loaded, man. them teams was so, why them going to with anybody. But he also was like, really, he also had that level of self-confidence that, you know, worked for him. You remember, like, and he, and he could get, like, he can he a step over the line. If you remember that Notre Dame game when they won, like the center pushed him down because he was yelling at him so much. And he's like, hey man, know your role. Know your yeah. role.
1: I just hey, I man. just think that Kirby understands and he's he's that he's he's built the team where he said, Listen, if we have more talent than everybody else, and our quarterback just doesn't make the killer mistake, he just manages the game, does what he needs to do, gets the ball into the playmakers' hands and lets them do it, kind of like a Ken Dorsey. I, uh, it, it just, you could win a lot of ball games, especially at the college level when you're better. Listen, they are better pretty much at every other position on the field when they step on the field against any team they play. I, their O-line and their D-lines are freakishly big Um and, and they're talented. They're not just big slow lumbering guys. These are guys that can move. You look at Jalen Carter and what he could do. You know, we talk about it. there's good D tackles and then there's difference makers, guys that could collapse a pocket. you seen it last week with uh, the D tackle, Chris Jones with KC. Quarterbacks don't like to be uncomfortable up the gut. You know, if, you, if Tom Brady, as we, you know, he's retired and everything this week, we've talked about it. When teams were able to get pressure up the gut on Brady or any great quarterback, they don't like to feel uncomfortable in that pocket because they like to step up. They don't like to step back. They like to step up, slide left or right in the pocket, be able to find stuff. If you get pressure up the gut, and that's what the Georgia's is able to do, they're able to dominate anybody they play against. And that's huge when you're talking uh, college football because. You don't have to blitz as much if you're able to get pressure up the middle. You could disguise stuff on the back end. You know, Georgia's secondary wasn't that great this year, but when you have such a great defensive line and they're able to do so much up front, you're able to disguise a lot of those weaknesses you may have on the back end and you don't get exposed as much. So you see that, and that's why, too, that Georgia's so good. Their O-line and D-line are are the best in college football, and that's why they got back-to-back national titles
0: yeah that's it i mean 15 and zero uh last year 14 and one uh so they won i mean they you know they won i think 17 in a row because they lost that sec championship game to alabama avenged that victory a few a few avenged that loss a few uh weeks later about a month later in the title game last year really haven't looked back uh you know, credit to TCU for a dream run, but this was Georgia's year. There's no doubt about it. Um, pivoting uh, really quickly. We're not going to do too much on this, but did you know signing day was Wednesday?
1: Yeah, it's, it was Wednesday. We I did another podcast, and um, it's kind of depressing because, uh, you know, the the whole – it's anticlimactic now. That yeah, all the signing guys- day is, is December. Yeah. It's
0: late December is when signing day is this I think
1: is- I think they're going to go back to February. I think they'll get rid of the early signing period. If they do an early signing, they'll go to August or they're going to just have one. There's no one I think what's going to happen is a lot of the programs are going to complain about having to hire somebody and basically hire, you know, go out and recruit in a one week or two week window. Those classes have become trash now. nobody's signed a good class when they've only had yeah, literally like a week to recruit. Um, most of it's transfer portal stuff. There's just there's there's a transfer portal window in there. There's just too much for these guys to have to deal well, with.
0: That's, that's my question. So if they end up moving the signing day back to February, which is good for the business of college football, right now the problem with it happening in late December is it happens right as their bowl season starts. So they're not really getting the maximum. Out of recruiting that they were getting before the early signing day. So I'm not, I don't have a problem with that. But what do you do about a transfer portal? Because here's the thing transfer portal window closes before the signing day window as it's currently set up. If teams are getting a cleaning up in the portal before they sign their class, like that's a, that makes them final two, makes that final week crazy because you're gonna have a lot of kids that especially kids that work the portal a little heavier than others, that are going to be like, nah, I ain't coming here, bro. You know, yeah. they, just, they just done recruited two juniors at the position I play at. So, you know, I don't see a, you know, there's nothing worse for a, a freshman to not see a, a way to get on the field in the first two, three years. Like at that point, you're just like, bye. You know, yeah. I go anywhere. and <laughs> I go anywhere and not play.
1: So, I, don't, I don't understand the, the NFL has figured out how to maximize each month of the year to make football not go away. College football seems to do everything opposite of what the NFL does. You would just think, all right, listen, we need to have, um, so let, let's let have, you know, uh, Portal in December, have signing day move back to February. Try to maximize the month so your your product is out there all the time. And you can sell it. It just seems like they they try they do everything backwards in college football. The NFL seems to get everything right. Um, Even when things go bad for the NFL, they still find a way to come out of it smelling clean. It just it just they understand the the NFL's run better than any other organization or any other pro sport. And college football seems to be run backwards. Everything they do, they just it, it just it seems like it's chaotic. And I, I don't know. Like, they got to fix some but of this stuff. Got,
0: you know, you've got the NFL. Well, college football has way too many traditionalists in position of power. There's nobody really forward-thinking in college football. It's not – college football is not a forward-thinking industry. No. Like, it's a it's – a, believe me, no one – like, college sports in general isn't forward-thinking. Like, coaches would never leave if they – like, you saw how hard it was for them to get – like, like Bobby Bowen, how hard it was the, the last five, six years. They couldn't get rid of him. And they would, he'd still, he would have been into the day he died if they didn't really just physically say, You're not going to be here past this season. Yeah. Joe Paterno would have been with Penn State to the day he died if the scandal didn't happen.
1: I think like, he'd still be coaching you know, even scandal, though he's dead. Even
0: when the scandal happened, he wouldn't leave. It wasn't like he left. No, they had like, a force. Yeah, just let me be over here doing football and God bless the people that got raped and whatever, right. you know? And, you know, you see it with other like coaches. When you, when you see a lifer, you know it. And that like Jim Bayheim in Syracuse, he's gotten a lot of heat this week because he's a jerk. Like he's been forever. They're not even winning anymore. Like Syracuse basketball sucks. And he's 80 years old and it can't get rid of him. Like yeah, college football, college sports. Not forward thinking. That's half their problem. Yep. Um, going into rankings, Alabama had the best class. This is not a surprise. My buddy Tom Luganville, who will, I promise we're gonna get him on this year. We'll get him on during our, our period over the spring. Uh he said that if Ohio State or Michigan or Tennessee or whoever signed the class that Alabama did it, be considered the best class ever. But because Alabama did it and we're using them signing the best class ever, like every year. It's just not getting the same run. He's really high on it. Uh, And this is the 24-7 rankings. Like, number two, Georgia. Three, Texas. Four, LSU. Five, Ohio State. Six, Oklahoma. Seven, Miami. Eight, USC. Nine, Oregon. Tenth is a uh, Tennessee. Florida's down here at 13th. Florida State is at 16th, I believe. Yeah, so...
1: Now, I just think people in general aren't going to get excited about these classes like that and rank them that high because, you know, once again, how many of these kids are going to be at Alabama in two years with the portal and the way it is. And people are like, all right, these, you know, it's a nice class. I, I mean, listen, I don't, I, I, how do you compare this to um, Texas AM's class last year? Uh, it's a, it's a great class. It's just, we, we've, I just think every year we it's, all right, we forgot about how good those classes are. These kids still need to step on the field and get it done on the field. Um, you know, you look, I, I remember this kid, Jordan Renault. He was from Palmetto High School in Florida. He goes to Texas. He goes from a three-star to a four-star. Uh, I mean, if he was still in Florida, would that kid be a four-star kid? Would Alabama have gone after him uh, in the state? You go look, they, um, they landed another kid Uh, Jaron Hamilton, who's a four-star wide receiver out of Buckholz High School. I mean, really? Like, I've watched the kid play. I I think that's a little high for him to be ranked. So it'll be interesting to see how some of these kids turn out. I think they have a very good class. You know, Alabama's going to recruit well. You know, you saw it. I I think Saban had some extra juice after, what was it? Uh, Was it Pollock that went on the (laughs) – on TV and basically said, listen, you've been by you, you've been passed over. I mean, right now everybody's
0: saying Saban is, you know, he's been bypassed, but the student has surpassed the teacher. Uh Uh, And that's uh, nothing more to motivate. I mean, we got to, we got to figure we're coming to the end of the Nick Saban era one way or the other, but you know, that guy, if he, if he's coaching, he's trying to win. Like he, he ain't in there for no, nine and three I don't Go I don't
1: I don't see him ever going out the way Bobby and Paterno went out where you know at the yeah. end their teams weren't good anymore and I, like Paterno if you look at Sabin, if he doesn't have a coach um, that he likes he gets rid of or he you know he's constantly changing that program he's always trying to keep it the best program out there so I don't think he'll ever have that Drop. You may see a nine and three season if things went wrong, but I don't even think that. I mean, I just think they were
0: nine and three. He'd leave. I think that's how much it would annoy him. Three losses. I think he'd be gone.
1: Yeah. So.
0: Well, that's Alabama's number one class. Uh, Well, the portal. uh, I think Florida State are the number one portal class, and that's where they do their damage at. Whether they want to, I know whether they want to admit it or not. Like they're. They take high school kids as developmental kids, and they take portal kids to fill roster spots. And with the idea that those high school kids maybe can be, you know, can turn into players. But they're, you know, I think it's – and I think from, a, from an infrastructure – I think you saw it with their NILs and stuff and the way that they're mm-hmm. – the way that they're putting together their resources and dedicating their resources, they've embraced being a portal transfer portal team. Like that's what they are now. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, if you win, that's great. If you don't win, it's, you know, you open yourself up for criticism, but that's anything really, you know, that's high school recruiting too.
1: No, I mean, but, listen, we don't really know where this is going to go because it is so new. The whole transfer portal thing. Nobody's really ever won a national championship by just recruiting exclusively exclusively JUCO players, um, you know you've had Kansas State be on the fringe there. Yeah. West Virginia's had their moments, but nobody's won. So yeah. when people use if Florida State was recruiting just JUCO players back then, and they the cl- team ended up ten and two, everybody would sit there and say, "Oh, it's a great way to recruit," but. The results have said nobody's won. Nobody has won a national title yet. TCU is the one that's the closest, and we saw what happened to them going strictly to the portal. This year is very important for them. Florida State is going to be a top-10 ranked team. Um, uh, there's big expectations. Listen, expectations are a lot different. It's harder to win when people have expectations on you. And now, you know, when nobody's expecting you to win, you saw last year what happened. There was no pressure on Florida State people. We all thought, pretty much everybody thought they'd win maybe eight games, maybe nine if everything went right. They won 10. Now, we've talked about it. Getting from 10 to 12, now you have expectations. People see you coming. People
0: see, and you, coming. People
1: see you coming. And and now you have, you have a, a, a target on your back. Everybody that plays them now is going to be gunning for them and you're going to get the best game out of every team you play next year pretty much. So you got to be on point week in and week out. They're going to have to be on point, and we'll see what happens. If they don't win, does it mean that the portal isn't the way to go? Not not entirely, but people are going to sit there and go, I think if they don't win a championship this year or make the playoffs, I think people will start to come back to the way we think, in that you really can't just rely on high, uh, on the portal. That you do have to go the to high school ranks. You do have to develop those guys, and you got to get elite kids from the high school level. You can't just get yeah. projects because projects aren't going to work anymore. We know it. Like these guys, if they don't play by year two, they're going to be in the portal themselves. And basically, you're going to have a program that's never going to get out of that hole. You know, you're just going to constantly be trying to grind your way to wins. And you can't do that. you got to develop guys. You've got to build up depth. you got to build in a team that eventually could just take over for these portal classes. And then you you, you spot recruit the portal for certain needs, like the bigger programs do. You see, I think Georgia took maybe two kids. kids. And they were wide receivers. They wanted older kids because they probably have everything else. So it's two kids. It's not a whole roster. So it will be interesting – to see who wins this argument in a few years. I still believe we're going to be right on the end of this argument at the end of the day just because you're asking so many kids from different programs all to buy in. that You can say what you want. They quit their teams yeah. or they quit those other programs. And you're trying you, – you could tell me about character and this and that and everything you want. Those Culture. Guys, What? Culture. 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 You, Well, we're going to find out that whole culture thing this year if things go south uh, early in the season. So that's where we're at with it. That's my opinion. And uh, I'm sticking with it.
0: Sticking with it. I mean, uh, you know, I guess the thing is, it it puts your. I think what happens if things don't work out, when I mean things don't work out, I mean they have a similar season to what they had this year, maybe a game, maybe a game worse. So maybe they go nine and. For instead of ten, like that's not working out because they've invested millions. Yeah, roster retention, like they millions. Like John Verse, I bet you is on a seven figure NIL. He better be. You know, if he's not, who's advising him? Yeah, you know. So, like, and they and they're doing that. And if it doesn't work, that puts your high school recruiting on spotlight. They haven't. They you know they just there's a reason why they why they invested millions in these guys coming back is yep. because they don't think their high school kids are ready and they don't yep. want to lose that level of talent yep. and have what they have behind it. Cause you know, they don't want to go backwards because then you start going in a bad circle. Anyway, um, something I want to ask you today. I wanted to pick your brain. All right. The teams, Florida state, the Florida teams, uh, best team that Florida, Florida State, Miami had, and each we'll go through each one at a time. Best team that they had that did not win a title. And now we've got we've got eleven titles between the three three schools. So we've got a little bit to choose from. Mm-hmm. Let's we'll start with Miami. What's mm-hmm. your best Miami team that didn't win a title?
1: I think it was what was eighty six or eighty seven that didn't beat Penn State? State. Yeah, I, I think that team, you go look at back at, you know, outside of their 2001 team, um, you had guys like on the bench like Jimmy Jones. And, I, I mean, they had NFL guys as backups. Uh, and they were way better than Penn State. Oh. And, lo- and I, I, to loo- that's one of the biggest upsets probably in sports history um, in a title game. That would never happen today. I just don't believe that, that something like that would happen. Because, you know, Jimmy would have got – into the playoffs they would have played some team in the first round just like ohio state i mean georgia did this year maybe just barely won and then they're playing a penn state team that's overmatched in the title and he's like all right guys we ain't playing two bad games in a row Uh, like you're not gonna get over on i mean you know miami and florida state i think would have had a lot more titles if the playoffs were around 30 30 years ago so i think that 80 16 was the best Miami team uh, to never win a title.
0: Yeah, and I agree. I was curious of where you go, whether you go 86 or 2002. But I agree because I look at it. If they play Penn, that Penn State team 100 times, they're going to win the other 99 games because yeah. Jimmy Johnson isn't going to let Vinny Testaverde throw five picks. He's not going to, he's going to basically say Alonzo Highsmith is yeah. going to win this game for us. He'll hand the ball off. Gonna play defense, and it might not be a pretty game, but they'll win. I mean, the only reason they don't win is because Vinny Testaverde just kept giving the ball away. That's the yeah. only reason. They outgained them like two to one. They, you know, they held time, a bit, but they did everything right except yeah. kept letting Vinny Testaverde throw the ball inside a red zone. Yeah, I um,
1: think I think the two thousand two two thousand two team, they showed their flaws. In yes. the season, you know, they showed their flaws against Florida State. I think Florida State ran for 300 yards. They were not as good that second year. There was something missing. And like I said, Florida State ran all over them. Should have beat them well, in a game. I
0: think that, Florida State exposed them not so much. I mean, they exposed them defensively by running all over them. But yeah. that whole game, Mickey Andrews decided, we're just going to make Ken Dorsey throw under duress. Mm-hmm. And – they didn't get, you know, he he made some play. He made the big screen pass late. And they got past him. But every team beyond that realized that this kid can't throw under pressure. He throws yeah. on his back foot way too much. And yeah. when you give, and, you know, and as I tell everybody this about those Miami teams, I'm like, all right, you think that Miami team's the best ever. Really? A team with Ken Dorsey, a quarterback, and Larry Coker as the head coach is the best team ever? I don't think so. And yeah. Jim just needed a month. I yep. love to say to look at all their film and say these, are, these this is where they struggle at this is what this is where we can expose them at and that game as I like to, I Ohio State wins that game more times than not because Jim Tressel is just so much of a better coach
1: than mm-hmm. and and people forget
0: that team before, was good Ohio State
1: before before game. the penalty all right Miami just got outplayed they didn't show up. all game yeah um, they were if you go watch um, the one play to gamble one he was held on the play and two his foot was in bounds. If he catches that play and it's called a catch, um, the game never go, never goes overtime. Um, I you know he he had intercepted that ball. I think it was an interception, and he was getting held or what. I can't I I can't remember one hundred percent. But Miami sh- should never gone in overtime. They were dominated in a game pretty much from beginning to end. And yes, it was a very good football team. But like you said, Tressel was a better coach. He out coached Miami. Um, and and you saw it. That's why things went Ohio State's way. I think you go look at the um, play that Maurice Claret made where he stripped the ball back from uh, Sean Taylor. Sean Taylor, as great of a player as he, he was, he, he was kind of lackadaisical coming out of And here's Maurice Claret never giving up on a play. And I think that's coaching. That's something that he he made a play when it needed to be made, and, the, and Ohio State more, made more plays, and everybody comes back to the penalty, and it was a terrible penalty, but it should never come down to that. I mean, Miami was just beat in that game from beginning to end. You saw it early on that Ohio State was going to be in the game. So I still say that 86 team is Miami's best team.
0: Yeah, I agree with you there. All right, so uh, we'll move on to Florida. Uh, I know my pick at Florida, I know – you're maybe not as a schooled in Florida seasons, but you give me your Florida season that you like.
1: Um I I don't know their history probably as much as you do, uh just because that's where you grew up in that area. I would say probably um the Florida team that I, I was it? I can't remember the one that maybe lost to Nebraska, may have been their best team not to win a title. Yeah. You know, and they just ran into a buzzsaw, and that team was very good, or they may have had some teams earlier on in, um, in Spurrier's career. I mean, Florida State beat them a bunch of times when Florida State was probably not the better team. So yeah. you probably can answer that better than I did.
0: Well, you know, '95 team was just bad defensively. Unfortunately, they right. gave up a lot of yards. They, they, if you want to compare them to a later team, they were like the the 2014 FSU team. Right. But what happened? What made them different from '95 to '96 was Bob Stoops coming right. in, and defensively, they just everything changed. Like Ed Chester, who's an All American on that '96 team, was my best friend. You know, he's the guy I see quite often, hang out with all the time. And he tells me all the time, he's like. When Bob Seuss came in, like Bob Seuss, the first thing he wondered was why they were running such a moronic defense the year before. He's like, I got all this talent the front floor for just let them go field, you know? And like before they were playing like a lot of really unique stuff under uh Bob Pruitt was his name. Uh, and it just it just didn't work. But yeah, that's not a bad team because offensively they were amazing. They were amazing. Uh and, I mean, you know, you could go with the 2009 team that had Tebow as a senior that lost to Bama as a good team. My team is 2001. Uh, 2001 team that lost to Tennessee. Travis Stevens ran for, I think, 230 on them. Uh, that team would have been the team that would have played Miami in the uh, championship game and they won that game. And uh, I don't know if they would have beat Miami, but it would have won a hell of a game. Much better the game than the Nebraska game Miami that year. And it was Rex Grossman. I thought Rex Grossman. was You're right. I remember.
1: I remember that team. So that was a team. I think they ended up playing Maryland in the bowl game. Yeah, and, they, and just they beat, up, beat yeah, the Yeah, they, they played them in the Orange Bowl, which I went to. And yeah, that that Rex Grossman team was very good. And yeah. listen, you you can never count out us. Um, you know, Wood Spurrier had that advantage too against uh, Coker in that championship game. You know, you just yeah. never know.
0: Yeah, exactly. You, you really don't. And, I mean, like, and he had the talent, obviously. Like Rex Grossman was a Heisman kid that year, I thought. And, uh, you know, it's just it's one of those things, the where if they play that Tennessee game, remember that Tennessee game got moved back in December because of 9-11. That game was scheduled for the weekend of 9-11, and it gets moved back in December. And, you know, just things are different. By that point, Ernest Graham had gotten hurt in the infamous Darnell Dockett uh, ankle twist. <laughs> You remember that Darnell Dock and ankle twisting play? Like, oh, yeah. oh, there. Yeah. it looks like he's doing push-ups <laughs> on the guy's ankle. Oh, that was hilarious! Uh, all right, Florida State. What's, what's your Florida State team?
1: Oh man, you know there's a lot. We got a
0: we got a whole encyclopedia to choose from. I know my pick. I'm gonna give the
1: you the-, the team that lost. Against the Florida team with Noah Bryndeis and, and oh,
0: uh, you, Doug.
1: Yeah, I think that's the best Florida State team. What makes it even worse is Randy Moss should have been on that team. Um, if he didn't freaking decide to, you know, do some off-the-field shenanigans. But that that team was so dominant. You saw it against Ohio State in the bowl game. They destroyed Ohio State in the bowl game. That was the best Florida State team. Never should have lost to that Florida team. I think Florida had, like, two losses, three losses that year. And it was disappointing because it was one of those teams that, like, found a – like, they they get down. I always remember the game against Florida. They get the big play by Travis Minor. Florida's on the ropes. They run – I think they ran three straight plays to the short side of the field. Yeah. Florida stopped them. It was like Florida State, I don't think they attempted one throw to the end zone after they got Florida on the ropes. If they score a touchdown there, the game's basically over. Florida State goes to the national title. There's no way Nebraska or Michigan, uh, those teams were beating them that year. Florida State would have destroyed them. And they lose the game, and and I think it's the worst loss in a big game in FSU history, personally. I, I just thought they had an opportunity to win a national title. And that's that to me was the because that was the best Florida State team that didn't win maybe 2002. Uh, that team was loaded with talent. I think if they had had better coaching, it could have possibly played for a national title. But that 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 team in 90s what was it two, 97 I think uh,
0: was yeah. it, You look at that final series, and it's a fourth. And, it's a fourth and less than one. Yeah. Bobby decides to go for a twenty-yard field goal instead of going for it. They go for it there and they score. They're up by eight. It was 26-25 at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was at that game uh, with my good friend Travis Trueblood, who actually gave me a ticket. And it was a—I mean, as games go, it was one of the, it's one of the greatest games I've ever seen. It was just incredible atmosphere. Back and for Fred Taylor, four touchdowns. He ran for yeah. over one hundred seventy. Travis Minor was a freshman. Ran yeah. for over a buck. Ran for like huh. a buck forty.
1: And it was, uh, just, I mean, Fred Taylor basically that game and and after that is basically is yeah. is those games that that made him an NFL first round pick. Those games and Fred was a great player. I'm not going to take anything away from him, but leaving your boy Jack was Green in one on one coverage after you just played conservative near the goal line and you let him get by, and uh, it's just that whole game was very frustrating. I. Uh, it's one of those games y'all never forget.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll never forget it. Cause I was there and it was just a, it was a shocker. You just didn't think that Florida, State, especially they, uh, they got up 17 to six. And I felt like when it got up there, like, okay, they're going to start to push away from this team. There were, it was a great, there's just so much talent on both sides of the field. It was a really incredible football game. I'm going to go further back. Um, I'm going to go back to their 1989 team, the team that lost to uh, Clemson and Southern Miss to start the year, then went on, won won their next nine, then absolutely obliterated Nebraska in the sugar, in the uh, Fiesta Bowl. And it was a team that, you know, they, they just came out sluggish. And once they found their footing, once they found Dexter Carter, PT Willis, that defense was incredible. they, just blew my it was 24 to 10, so that's not a to blow up, but they hurt Miami uh, like they out uh, uh, Miami, Miami that year. Uh, well.
1: The thing was, blow. the thing was, is they were an underdog in that game. Um, I'll never forget, it was a night game at Doak, yeah. And Florida State ha- did not have a history of playing Miami well, or you know, they had played them well, but didn't win those games.
0: They're coming off a losing they, 31 to nothing to them the year yeah, before,
1: yeah. They destroyed Miami in that game from Dexter Carter to Kirk Rothers to. I mean, they just physically whipped them on both sides you of the know, ball.
0: Butler, Odell, yeah, yeah, and that—that's just that was that was their squad. I mean, I, I really like like they were so, like you know they had just power. I mean, if you ever talk about, like Julian you know, Armella's dad and about that team, I'm sure he'll tell you like that even more than the '88 team that went 11 and one. That '89 team was the team, and they just came out of the gate. They get Brett Favre you know, it's just Southern miss and they just, and Terry Allen had a great game against them at Clemson. Like they just, they just came out of the gate. Just not, you know, just sometimes great teams that, you know, and you've seen it before, like that first month of September, you're just not ready. Teams teams are more ready for you than you are for them. Yep. Then once they got going, like you look at their last nine games and I mean, they were just, they were just wrecking teams. They went to, and they went to South Carolina, beat them 42 to nothing. You know, they, you know, they beat LSU by a thousand. You know, they just beat everybody. They beat Auburn. They were killing teams oh, yeah. by the end of that run. So that's my team. Uh, that's my team. That 89 teams. I think it was a really, really good football team. Um, it, I think it just shows, you know, I mean, because if you look at collectively, if – Miami, if all the teams that should have won, won. And I'll say 86, 88 was a team that should have won. Uh, 2002, with some better coaching, they win. Maybe 2000. Yep. Like, easily nine titles they can have. With Florida yep. State, you look again, 87, 88, 89, 91, 92,
1: 2014.
0: 96
1: yeah 2014 oh,
0: 2014 you know
1: 2000. I mean the year that they beat Florida if they had the BCS, 98, yeah, yeah if they if they have the BCS Bowl they end up playing Arizona State in a bowl game um probably in the Rose Bowl and they would have smacked the tar out of that Arizona State and Jake Plummer team so they you know they you know in 90 in 97. Um, they got unlucky. Wanky got hurt. You know, um, their, start, gets their, hurt. their starting quarterback gets hurt before the season starts. in Kendra, like they were down to their third string quarterback. And let's be honest, nothing against Marcus Alton. God bless him for making the throw against Florida, where it almost got intercepted. Uh, they, it's Peter Wark should have probably played in that national title game at quarterback or Anquam. Somebody else should have been playing.
0: Anybody? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Other than Altson. And they would have had another title because they were better than Tennessee. But, yeah, there's a lot of missed opportunities from the three schools. And I've talked about this. It's what makes the three schools so special. You look at the state of Texas. They've had – you hear all the hype about uh, how great the talent is in that state, and I'm not taking anything away from it. There's a lot of talent in the state of Texas. But they have one title in the last 60 or 70 years, Um and that came with, uh, you know, Vince Young, who was a generational type player. Everything went right for them, and that was their one title. But you look at Florida State, Miami, Florida. You have, I think, uh, you have five from Miami, three. You have eleven titles among the three schools. Many others could have won. Um, you look at the talent. You look at where UCF has finished. You look at where USF finished under Levitt. This state can can support a lot of good football. And that's why when people sit there and go, oh, Miami will never win again, or Florida State may never win again, or Florida may not. I just don't buy that. There's just too much talent in this state. There's still too many kids that want to go to those schools. You get the right coach at any of these three programs, um, and and you give them time to build that thing, you can win national titles uh, at any one of the three programs. And I think in our lifetime, we'll see one of them win again. I don't think these teams are going to just go away. So it just shows you uh, that what's happened in the last, in our lifetime in this state, we're very fortunate and it's great football. And I, you know, all three programs um, and UCF's now in that group, they're going to have a chance to, to play for titles. Once they go to the big 12, it's, it's the greatest state for football, my, my opinion in the country. And that's why so many teams come down here to recruit our players. So I'm biased. Um, I still think these schools can win a lot of titles. Uh things go in cycles. That cycle eventually will turn around.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, you have you have to believe that. And uh, well, you know, we've we won about an hour today. I know I can tell you got we got things to do. I gotta head down to sunrise by later this afternoon for the first night of like the NHL All-Star Weekend, and uh you got you have baseball practice tonight?
1: No, we got one tomorrow at 1 30. Um
0: well oh, it'll be it'll be it'll be seasonably warm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You don't have to wear the uniform during practice, I hope. I hope you can just wear shorts. No, nah,
1: nah, I always wear my I, I go the Dave Kelly route. I wear sweatpants. I don't do the sweatshirt. You know Dave wears <laughs> Dave wears all black in the all middle of the God, summer God. in the middle of summer. Yeah. And he doesn't sweat. I just don't get it man
0: He's in. He's in a very good condition for a man of over sixty years old. Uh, we probably need to track him down because he's gonna. Because we can't. We probably can't get Dion. So uh, get we're, going we're gonna
1: have on. to. We're gonna have to go meet Dion and then get him on. And yeah,
0: like, we'll have to meet him. We going to go. If,
1: we'll, say if we get Dion, then honestly, our we're gonna have to share some of the proceeds, man. So
0: yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, as for this episode of the Fish Cast, I want to say, uh. Thank you to you always, Charles, for being part of it. Thank you to Justin Otto, our producer. Thank you to uh, uh, my good friend for a good friend and uh, former business partner, Craig Barron-Selley, who uh, actually shut down their FNF football coaches, but we still get our distribution for our podcast. So we're still good. So, hey, thanks, Craig. Thanks for keeping time to hook us up. And, you know, the FNF magazines were a big part of my life for a long time. So sad to see him go, but I'm happy for him that he's – Found other sources of uh, other sources of success that allow them to move on. But yeah, so we'll still be the fishcast. We'll still be coming. Uh, you can hear us anywhere. You know, anywhere that you would like to listen to podcasts. We're out there because we got full distribution, baby. At fish podcast on Twitter. Um, yeah, that's about all, really. Uh, uh, what else you got, fish? Anything for this weekend?
1: Not much, man.
0: Not much, man. We'll just enjoy baseball practice, putting together that team. I'm sure we'll hear about them as the season goes on. Yeah, well, uh, I'll, I'll send you this
1: podcast right away, man. You're, yeah, man. I mean,
0: he's, he wants to win a title. You don't want to say like this baseball coaching thing?
1: No, I need a title, man, because my son's, my son's my son's going to stop. He's going to disown me as a dad soon. Yeah.
0: Ethan, Ethan, Ethan needs ethan Ethan's a type of kid that he, he, he only wants winners. He only follows winners. <laughs> we watch NFL games. Listen, we watched that that Dallas San Francisco game. Uh,
1: trust, <laughs> me. trust me, Let the Eagles win, and I might be buying Jalen Hurts jersey yeah. for the, his birthday. All right. We
0: were watching that Dallas San Francisco game in San Francisco with McKinley Roll, and Ethan was. He didn't know where to root for him because He's like, he was really getting out in front long enough for him to really pull for him, you know? Yeah. He's a, a He is not loyal as a fan. I'm going to tell no. you that much. No, not not loyalty. Not at all. All right, buddy. I will see you soon. We'll be back with another fish cast Before you know it, thank you out there to everybody that listens